Hello, and welcome to The Good Lawyer Show with Brett and Matt, a podcast dedicated to helping small business owners and entrepreneurs navigate the tricky world of law. On the show today, we have Alex Steffen, a partner and technology lead at the law firm Renault Co. Alex specializes in data privacy and startup law, and as you will hear, is a passionate advocate for the advancements in legal tech. Quickly, and annoyingly, before we begin, we do need to state that nothing discussed on this podcast constitutes legal advice. In other words, you can't sue us for what we're about to tell you. But we do think this information is good to know, and of course, if you do need a good lawyer to help navigate your particular situation, we have a roster full of vetted lawyers who are here to help. To find out more, please visit our website at goodlawyer.ca. On that note, let's dive right in. Alex, thank you for being on the show. How's it going today? Oh, not too bad, I guess, under the circumstances uh, yeah. with, uh, with everything going on in the world, but uh, really happy to be here. And uh, this seems like a really cool opportunity to talk about what I really like to do, but also, you know, really just try to spread the good lawyer uh, gospel um, because, you know, I really do enjoy working with, with Brett and uh, being a good lawyer, but uh, really, I just like helping people. Well, well, let's uh, let's just jump right on that then. If, uh, if we're going to be shameless about this, uh, I, you are one of the uh, the yeah one of the first good lawyers to actually be using the the platform quite uh, extensively. How, how's that going for you? You know, it's been quite quite good. It's been you know honestly, it's been a learning process for me uh, with respect to just uh, building a new workflow, but also with uh, the platform because we're you know we're really trying to make it more efficient, not only for me, so I make sure, you know, everything I, I say I'm going to do gets done, but also just make it more smooth from the, uh, the the client's perspective as well. So, you know, I've seen a lot of upsurge in, uh, in, in uh, use uh, recently, and honestly, I just really like having conversations with people when I'm isolated in my apartment. So, you know, I can't really complain right now. Well, you know, and I'll, and I'll jump in right there and just say um, Alex has been one of our busiest lawyers on the platform and has been doing uh, a killer job, uh, especially dealing with the influx that we've seen with the COVID-19 crisis. And, uh, you know, kudos to you, my friend, for uh, handling such a wide variety of calls and, uh, you know, making so many, providing so many people with the peace of mind that they've been uh, looking yeah. for, you know, amid all the craziness. So. Uh, you know, hats off to you, and uh, if anyone's looking for a good lawyer, I can assure you, uh, Mr. Alexander J is uh, is definitely one of them. Well, you know, honestly, I, I one quick comment is is Brett's comment about peace of mind. It it really it really it really radiates with me with respect to a lot of these calls, uh, especially regarding COVID nineteen, and sometimes just just a little bit of a chat really helps a lot of clients. Absolutely. Totally. Absolutely. You know, it's amazing how much how much peace of mind you can get in 15 minutes talking to Alex. <laughs> Maybe I talk a little bit long, but, you know, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's uh, that's great. Well, Brett sort of mentioned it there, but uh, you handle a wide variety of calls. But I know one of the areas that you particularly enjoy is uh, legal tech. And I know that you yep. work with uh, quite a few uh, clients and firms uh, helping them navigate uh, these types of challenges. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think, as we all know, uh, lawyers are not exactly known for being early adopters of tech in general. Uh, that being said it does seem to be taking hold a little bit better in the last uh, few years so I'm just wondering if uh, can you just give us for for those who don't really know much about it yet can you just give us a, a brief overview of, of the state of legal tech in general well uh, you know it's garbage 
Um, I don't really have to say <laughs> better than that. Uh, you know, like with respect to that, you know, like just by way of background, you know, I, I, I work, you know, with a lot of emerging technology companies um, with Renault & Co. It's a law, boutique law firm in Montreal, Toronto. And, uh, you know, I, I'm also a giant nerd. So I just really am passionate <laughs> about this kind of this kind of stuff. But, you know, even when I was a kid, I was always really interested in web development, even back in 1999. And so, you know, honestly, I came back into this and it just really came naturally. But um, I really wanted to see how the technologies evolved with respect to legal tech. And you know what? It hasn't really evolved that much because um, I think the biggest issue I've noticed, too, is is a lot of its institutional and cultural barriers, you know, like the law societies are very, very slow to change. Um, like, for example, in Ontario, you still have to get permission to serve by email versus, you know, sending it via fax. Um, and also with respect to the products, you know, a lot of them are very expensive. Um, they're owned by a very few uh, companies. One of them is Thomson Reuters. Uh, and, uh, you know, they know law firms will pay and uh, they definitely take advantage of that. And Usability be damned. So, right. you know, a lot of the innovation I've seen in other sectors with web development and all those kinds of things have, haven't really been translated over to law yet. There's been a lot of, you know, tech that's been developed that's trying to bridge that gap, but we're still working on basic document generation. So we have a long way to go. Well, yeah. And, you know, just uh, jumping on that reference to Thompson Routers and, uh, you know, this stems from a conversation I had with someone from Thompson Routers at uh, the U of A legal tech. Uh, it was like a one day conference. And the chat that I had was really interesting. And, it, you know, we had this hypothesis that a lot of these products that you're mentioning, you know, Westlaw, practical law, those types of things, um, they're really not accessible to the smaller firms and the solo lawyers. And that was the conversation I was having with the Thompson Routers point. rep was, you know, the consumers of those products are, you know, mid high to like the really large national firms. And that's the main consumer of those high end legal information products that, you know, help lawyers be good lawyers. And, you know, I, I hope that the conversation I had with him and also just the sort of the trends in the industry, you know, we got big players like Clio that are looking to help out the small, the small to, you know, solo firms that we can figure out ways to start providing these super useful tools to a much broader lawyer audience. Yeah, basically democratize it a little bit, Brett, you know, and and a lot of it too is even the market's really oriented towards enterprise level kind of sales. So they, it's, it's really hard for especially a sole practitioner or a small little boutique to even just to get a, you know, a template. Uh, collection or or the documents in order and all this stuff has been you know obviously worked through by many a legal assistant over the years but you know when you're starting out that you got to start from scratch so you know it's it's not that easy and you know there's still these kind of barriers and to be honest you know i think some lawyers probably like to keep it that way but you know honestly for me yeah well uh you know people are are resistant to change and you know especially uh considering this whole worldwide situation with uh covid19 you know it's going to be interesting to see how that uh really changes the market going forward because you know a lot of things are changing right now 
so so Alex, uh, do you, so is the technology there then, and it's just not uh, uh, you know a business solution where these companies actually think that it's a viable product that they can make money on, or is it just uh, kind of to that point that you made that there's a bit of resistance uh, to to using these types of uh, technologies? Like, has it been okay. developed? It's just not being implemented. I guess is my question. Um, yes and no, actually. A lot of it is like the technology is been is there, you know, for a lot of these kinds of pretty advanced. But again, legal has been probably, probably one of the last sectors to really be affected by the technology revolution. And the issue with that is obviously the you know the nature of common law in the in the way that you know a lot of it is discourse, a lot of it is 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 natural language processing. And you know the issue with that is is fine, but even just going into the basics of like a decent portal, so like clients can talk to lawyers, or or even the the uh, the whole concept of the billable hours model, right, where you Thank have. You. Thank yes. you. That is that is the, that is oh, that's what I was waiting yes, for. Well, that's what I was waiting for, and go. that is that is the foundational problem: is the business model premised on billable hours disincentivizes more efficient service. Like it's pretty cut and dry. Like it's very straightforward. And the more we see lawyers moving to fixed fee models, and obviously good lawyers trying to facilitate work in that same type of way, um, the more we're going to see efficiency starting to creep in because the lawyers you know as any entrepreneurs or, or you know professionals rec can recognize if you can if you're selling a product at a fixed price and you can do it faster that's a good thing yeah your margin goes up more efficient efficiency is good <laughs> versus is good, but it's not in billable hour model yeah and you know like i i have i have a story like you know, and my my a former firm I used to work at. You know, I I took a, a task that took a, a you know paralegal a full week, which is essentially just renaming files, and uh, I did it in 36 seconds with uh, with the of the script, and uh, I thought I was happy, but I, I got a little bit of trouble because you know we bill by the hour here, so. I, you know, that's when I really realized that, you know, this, there's a lot of room for change in this sector and people are trying, but boy, there's a lot of resistance, but then, you know, lawyers are very much like cats. You don't tell them what to do. You kind of just try to push them in the right direction. But, so, you know, on, I just going to follow on that, Matt. Please, um, yeah, please. I, I think, you know, there are encouraging signs and from when I started, you know, in the practice, you know, articling about four or five years ago, like there was almost no talk of legal tech solutions at all. And, I, you know, I was at a big national firm. And now, five years later, like those firms are having very serious conversations, if if not actually figuring out how to implement, you know, adequate solutions or whatever, or the, or the best solutions, maybe is a better way to put it. Um, they're at least having these conversations and, you know, legal tech has really seen a boom in the last few years. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's still super early, you know, we, FinTech took a while to develop. So I still think it's like super early, but it's going finally after, you know, finally. decades yeah. and decades <laughs> uh, in the right direction. 
so let, let me jump in here and and Brett feel free to to answer this as well being the founder of Good Lawyer obviously I know you're very passionate about it but so do you think that the, it's I don't want to use the word conspiracy but it's the only one that's coming to mind at the moment that this billable hour model do you think that it is just uh really that that it's let's say these old school partners that are making money hand over fist that don't want to change or is there actually some reason for using that model like what do you yeah, maybe if you just uh, uh, you know pontificate a little bit on that uh, on that oh, point, yeah, I can I can I can do that. Um, <laughs> I I think conspiracy is the wrong word. I think <laughs> that um, I could see how you know one could view that of the legal profession, and you know we do have a monopoly on the provision of professional legal services. Um, but conspiracy is the wrong word. It, it's more, in my view, uh, an institutional lag. And, you know, obviously some self-interest creeps in there, but I really just think it's more the resistance to change the the sort of general risk aversion of, totally. of lawyers that, you know, that tendency to be risk averse. Um, so I think that really is what causes has caused such such a delay in terms of, of adopting, you know, technology solutions that are clearly working really well in a ton of other verticals. Right. Um but again, I think I think, you know, now lawyers are starting to have those conversations and, you know, being a legal tech founder, you know, it's it's really encouraging. And especially the younger yeah. demographic, you know, the the millennial lawyers, like they are very excited about tech solutions in this space because they see a need for it. This and, you know, the, I experienced this. Alex experienced this like we're not down with doing work that we know very simple computer programs can do for us. And so <laughs> yes. that's just going to continue, continue getting driven more and more from the bottom up. And, uh, you know, it, we're excited at Good Lawyer to facilitate this platform where if you're a young lawyer or, you know, a, sort of a mid-career lawyer that, you know, wants to jump quickly into some more, that like, you know, fairly basic from a technology perspective, but in law, like very sophisticated technology and like easy to use immediately like that's that's where we're trying to go yeah and i think you i think you really hit the nail on the head there too is is kind of like why change if you don't have to right and the fact that lawyers are self-regulated and obviously have that uh law society as a body that really controls every aspect of it like no, someone just can't decide to be a lawyer one day you obviously have to go to law school get <laughs> called all those things right so that really does create some massive barriers to entry and protects a lot of uh you know the, yeah. this industry from change alex do you have any yeah. uh, anything you want to add on yeah that? well you know you know what i agree with brett and um i also have to say that you know i, I always like to say there is there is somewhat of uh friend seeking behavior of lawyers <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so but what i can i could definitely real friendly say, yeah i know i know <laughs> i know I, oh, I know i know i i like my club but i'm still like, um but what i have to say though is uh yeah i've definitely been noticing a lot and this is why i really like working with brett because he has a lot of passion with respect to what he's trying to do um but also the, even some of the other partners i've been working with and you know there's a lot of really interesting innovation going on. And, you know, I, I've been and I, I know a lot of people that work at the Legal Innovation Zone in Toronto, which was actually the first ever uh, sort of uh, incubator slash tech startup -y thing for law ever. Uh, and it was founded with Ryerson University um, just a few years ago. And they've seen so much growth. 
and the technology coming out of there is quite interesting. And a lot of it is, it is basic, but it, it, it's related to, you know, what people are expecting. And I guess, you know, for me, it's it's almost like a, a dichotomous or, or very much a different, you know, issue of consumer expectations versus consumer reality. And I, I try to make it as simple as possible because when I do billables, which works well in some industries because it is a custom job, but, you know, when the bill comes out, you know, you have to explain yourself. But, you know, when I can say it's a price, it's a price, it's a price. And it's a lot easier. Right. Yeah. Well, no, and, um, and, you know, one other thing I wanted to add to that is law is really hard to enter from a legal tech perspective without at least having a lawyer on the team. Because there are like a lot of really nuanced pieces of law that don't, you know, exist if you're making, you know, creating like a delivery app. Not to say that that's not challenging for its own logistical reasons, but there are some nuances with law that make it really tricky for people without that legal background right. to get into it. And I think that's also a contributing factor to why there's been such a delay on the adoption of technology in law. Well, I think that's a great point, Brett, because we've uh, I know we've talked at length about many uh, attempted legal startups that have failed. Uh, and it seems like precisely for that reason, or at least that it, they have a tough time cracking the, uh, uh, you know, the, the code that, uh, you know, the lawyer's day to day seems to operate in, you know, yeah. and having a, a tough time making that more efficient. Right. What I was going to say was understanding, you know, having practice for you know, four and a bit years, like understanding the lawyer's perspective has been hugely helpful right. in building a platform that connects clients and lawyers. Yeah. Because, no you know, we're, we're able to, to facilitate and reduce the friction on some, a number of things that, you know, if you're not a lawyer, you wouldn't even think of like whether it's client identification or retainer requirements, right. like these, these little things that eat up time and energy and that lawyers don't get paid for. So we just strip that yeah. away in a way that, you know, lawyers can provide the important service, the thing that they, you know, they want to do, which is help the client with their legal right. problems more, more efficiently. And because of that, you're able to do it at a way to reduce price. Now, Alex, have you ever, yeah. have you ever been uh, a solo practitioner or have you always been in a firm? Um, well, I've always been with a firm, but you know, the, the, um, Ramco, the firm I work with right now only has three lawyers. And when okay. I started, it only had two, it was me, me and the founder. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I kind of know what it's like. Uh, the first place I actually articled with, uh, was a very large mid-sized firm with about 70 lawyers. So okay. I kind of experienced both sides, uh, of that spectrum. And, uh, boy, I, I like, a, I like the freedom a little bit more, but, right. uh, uh, for me, it's it it really it really comes down to you know for uh, the workflow that works for you and and lawyers right. you know the work is very intensive mentally so I uh, I, I, I kind of like where I am and I guess the question I'm getting at though is you know firsthand how much how time consuming those onboarding oh. processes can yeah yeah I mean your yeah. reaction right there says it all right and Brett exactly. to your point that's kind of exactly what you're saying right is that. Uh, and I don't think that people understand that. I think, Brett, can you do you remember that stat that you told me um, a while ago about something like lawyers spend actually like 15 percent of their time actually doing law and the rest of it's all the like, you know, the marketing and everything else around it is. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That uh, those numbers come from the Clio Trends report. Um, 
and Clio is one of the biggest companies in the legal tech space, and right. they have the capacity to put together some unbelievable statistics because they've got you know well over 100,000 lawyers using their platform, mostly in the states, but uh, a number of Canadian lawyers as well. Um, Cleo, there's your nice plug. Jack, I say hello. <laughs> yeah. um, We're charging you later. Plug. <laughs> um, but they put out some amazing reports, and this Legal Trends report comes out every year and uh, just has some amazing data in it. And one of the findings in it was that your average solo and small firm lawyer only makes it only generates revenue with 20% of their time. So you know, effectively one day a week they're billing clients and making money. And the other four days of the week, they are trying to find clients dealing with the administration, which is high for a law firm because there's tons of extra rules. Or so many and, rules. Yep. And, you know, also just kind of twiddling their thumbs, trying to figure out what to do because they went to law school to be lawyers, not necessarily because they, you know, had huge entrepreneurial aspirations. And Alex, this is obviously a pain point for you as well. Oh, incredibly so. You know, like, especially when I first started working and just sort of building my own libraries from scratch. And, and you know, for me, like, personally, it's, it's I put a lot of effort into client, uh, client satisfaction. Or, and, and, for example, like, a lot of the times that, you know, I have a, a big client, I'll, I'll talk to them as long as they want. And, and so, for me, it's extensively time-consuming, especially making sure your files are organized and everything of that nature. It, it, I can't even imagine how many hours I've spent formatting on Word. And I am a pro on converting anything to anything. So, uh, so I I really realized that you know if there's technology that can help me do that better, and uh, and I also you know I also like design and style. So I'm very particular about how they're presented as well. So if I can bring that all together and make it more efficient to allow me to do my work better and actually you know be a counsel to a client, that would make me incredibly happy because then I can a, sleep. <laughs> a, a trusted advisor. Yes. Um, Both your law professors would be proud right now. <laughs> well, yeah, and that, you know, Matt, the part that I wanted to just kind of like, you know, really relay again is it is really hard to be a solo small firm lawyer because there's just like such a administrative lift to get it off the ground. And, and then there's so much work that goes into actually building a business off the ground. And then you also have to maintain your competency as a lawyer, which is another like not necessarily small task. So just being a, a solo or small firm lawyer, like it's 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 a lot harder than it should be. And again, for sure, that, that's that's really what we're trying to help facilitate is connecting those people like Alex with all of these entrepreneurs, small business owners, Canadians with a way more affordable option that they just Absolutely. didn't know existed. Right. And, you know, it, if I make, can make a small comment, too, and I've really noticed this as well, it's that people just need that peace of mind. But also, you know, a lot of the matters are very, very simple, but they're very important to them. And right. and a lot of times, like, people just don't use lawyers because we're scary and expensive. Right, Brett? Yeah. Yeah. You got I think it. that's I think that's a great point, Alex. So to your point, when you're uh, getting evicted from a from a your apartment, that's a fairly simple legal matter. But to right. that person, it is. I mean, that is uh, an all-consuming thing that is happening in their life that could throw their entire existence into chaos. And to your point, having that access, uh, you know, and I'm talking beyond good lawyer here. This is no this is no plug necessarily for this service, but just in general, it's obviously a, a great need that we have in our society is to be able to offer 
offer those legal at, uh, resources to people who need them, right? So I think that's uh, a great point. Absolutely. Well, yeah. and bef- and you know, without a platform like Good Lawyer, how do you what what happens? Like, there's only exactly. there's only two options. There's only two options. One, or th- I guess there's three. And the most common one is they don't go to a lawyer at all because they're expensive and scary. Two, they call a bunch of lawyers or maybe they get lucky and call the first lawyer and that lawyer helps them for free. Or three, they go into the office, get charged a couple hundred bucks for an hour session and, you know, got way more legal service, got the Rolls Royce treatment when they were just looking to, you know, get a ride down the street. And that's what we're trying to facilitate is like, how do you provide legal services to these people with legal problems? And again, Cleostat, amazing. And it's like, between 75 and 80% of legal needs go completely unmet. So how That's do we insane. service these how do we service these smaller legal needs from people that don't have the budget to pay for the traditional model? Right. And how do we connect those with lawyers and make it worth their lawyers time because the expectation that lawyers are just going to do pro bono work and that's going to help fill, you know, the access to justice crisis is crazy. You have to make it worth their time and that's the bridge that we're trying to cross. Yeah. No, absolutely. Exactly. So so sticking with uh, our theme of uh, uh, legal tech here, uh, Alex, um, so obviously the ever-present issue that we're all dealing with is obviously the op- outbreak of COVID-19. And as we kind of briefly touched on it, it's affecting everybody's lives. Uh, but I, I guess, uh, how is this affecting law firms, uh, you know, whether it be a small one like where you're at versus uh, or, or a big one with hundreds of lawyers? Uh, oh, yeah. And and do you think, uh, so that's the first question, how how, okay. how is it being affected? And the second one is, do you think this crisis will uh, expedite some of these technological developments and maybe get some of these uh, firms on board with uh, introducing maybe a bit more technology and, and maybe not yelling at you if you introduce a way to... <laughs> Uh, ex- expedite a process or two. Yes. No. Okay. I actually have more <laughs> things to say about that, but it's 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 been a whirlwind. Um, you know, this this whole COVID nineteen is it's it's our first pandemic, really. You know, we haven't really had one. I guess we had I guess the you know uh, flu of nineteen eighteen, um, but that was a long time ago. And uh, so you know, we're really trying to readjust uh, with respect to you know social distancing and all the other requirements that we've been trying to do to in order to mitigate you know this this virus. But with respect to the uh, legal uh, aspect of it, you know. I think everyone's trying and, you know, a lot of the firms uh, are discovering that you don't have to have your butt in your seat for all day and still be able to get work done. And so we're seeing a lot of Zoom meetings. Zoom, don't use Zoom, by the way. Um, the the other heard thing. heard there's some issues there. Yeah, I, I'm not taking a negative plug here. I'm just saying there's some security issues and right. part of my practice is cloud, cloud security, so don't use right. it. Um, and then the other issue is the fact that they, they are trying to adjust the whole model. And a good example of that in legal structure is, um, you know, wills in Ontario can now, you know, be uh, signed digitally instead of having to be done in person. So like a lot of these things, especially in the uh, government level, the law society level, the law firm level, it's like all of a sudden we can do it now. And somehow it wasn't (laughs) existed before. So, you know, I think they're kind of pushing everyone kicking and screaming in this direction. And obviously legal services are an essential service. So we have to continue operating. And so the other thing I have to say about that is that will it speed it up? 
Yes and no. Um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the firms have a lot of institutional uh, momentum, and it's they're just going to go right back to where they were before. But you know, this gives a lot of opportunities for people like Brett uh, and uh, people like me that really try to use technology to to really get ahead. And you know, I have seen. Um, a lot of the catalysts with this, but you know what? When people are used to saying, oh, I can just use a, you know, like a, a video meeting and get this done on our VPN, you know, then then people said, you have to sit in the seat for eight hours and people are like, why? So I think there is gonna be a little bit of a change, but I don't, I don't know how much it's gonna be, but it's definitely gonna happen. Uh, I hope so. Uh, but right. anyway, I, I just don't know whether they're gonna try to roll that back or not, but, uh, Generally, I'm going to say that, you know, COVID-19 is going to be changing a lot of things about our lives going forward, both positive and negative. And uh, hopefully it'll become a positive with respect to legal tech. Absolutely. No, that's uh, and, you know, that's really interesting because, um, uh, you know, I, I think you're I think you're right that there, there's going to be some people that will want to revert it all the way back to where we were at the day that this is over or maybe even before that. But to your point. Uh, I think you're right. It's almost like the the knowledge of good and evil here, where once you've seen it, you're saying, "Hey, See the light. I, See yeah, the exactly, light. <laughs> right." You, uh, it's yeah. tough. It's tough to unring that bell, right? And I think oh, to yes, your point, absolutely. a lot of young lawyers who are maybe a bit more open to uh, using technology to get more efficiency out of their practice may uh, start pushing back a little bit more, saying, "Hey, why do I have to sit in this office I don't like, uh, or you know, do these meetings in person when uh, it may be just as easy or even better?" to to do it uh you know using like you said a, a, a skype type t- type technology or something like uh, like that so yeah, or yeah that's or and that What's and that's paper? a great point yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah no a good point so do you think that um do you think that maybe smaller firms may be a bit more um eager to adopt these technologies versus kind of bigger institutional ones like there's more of a hierarchy there i know i worked for one for a while and and you know things to get i don't even know how decisions are made to be totally honest well, there's so many layers right so do you think that that may uh it may be a bottom up process with this uh with this change i i, I think so actually and you know what i have a couple examples about that you know law, firm, <laughs> law, law firms are are are, are mis- mysterious organization it's, it's, <laughs> sure I don't there I don't know how they're run but anyway what I have to say though is uh, you know I was at a conference last year with respect to legal tech it was called the fireside conference uh, a certain manager of a uh, at a large law firm with respect to tech implementation um, was asked a question where where, uh, where the individual asked them um, what if the lawyers resist the technology that's being implemented? And then she looked back, not even not even like looking for a second, and just said, "Well, we we eliminate the lawyers." <laughs> so, and, uh, so yeah, so that's a perspective. That's one of the perspectives. Uh, it's a very very law school lawyer kind of perspective on life sometimes. <laughs> um, but also for me, um, I do think so, uh, especially with with uh, platforms like Brett's at a Good Lawyer, but including the other legal SASs such as Clio, which has been around for a long time since 2008, which is about two centuries in computer time, um, and then all the other new legal tech startups coming out. So I think, you know, it's easier to get in there. It's like, why do we have to do this old paper way? I think, you know, I think we're a lot more agile. And uh, I think I think so. I really I'm optimistic. I hope so. Uh, no, that's great. Brett, anything to add to that? You no, I mean to, it's all good. <laughs> we're 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 def we're definitely of of similar viewpoints. Right. And uh change is coming. Yeah. Just slower than I'd like it to. 
Right. Yeah. No. I, well, you're you're a fast moving guy, so that doesn't surprise me uh, at all. Um, well, so- I, actually, you know what? The one thing the one thing I just do want to add, just because it popped in my in my mind, is jurisdictions. And this is kind of I did a paper on this back in law school that sort of kicked off the whole good lawyer idea. Um, but the UK and Australia, in particular, relaxed and changed the rules. They're no, no longer self governing and relaxed the rules on who could engage in the provision of legal services. And, you know, I, I don't really say this as like a warning. It's just like a reality in those jurisdictions. Access to justice has improved dramatically. Interesting. And like, if you look at Australia that, you know, they have like law firms, like publicly traded law firms in Australia. Whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> Australia, Australia is like the leader in legal tech in the world. And, you know, it, it's hard, hard to argue with the fact that outside investment has led directly to increased innovation, which leads directly to improved access to justice. So, okay, so so here's a, here's a question for both of you then. Um, do you, and we'll, I, this is a full podcast, I believe, in, in in its own right. So, Alex, we can just get, we can get you back on here for this. But just oh, real, real briefly. Well, legal tech part two, baby. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, yeah, this is great. This is a two part. Uh, but, but do you, do you guys, do you guys support public law firms then? Like, do you have an issue oh. with that? Or do you think that that is a mm-hmm. net positive? And again, briefly here, we'll come back to this in a more uh, I, I, established I way here. Comment, Please. But- um, you know what? You know, I, I work with a firm that operates in, in Quebec and Ontario. And uh, you know what? It's it's you know, it's it's hard. It's like the, the structures are very uh, restrictive and very strict. And you know what? If there was a little bit more flexibility with respect to how it is in, with with making sure that, you know, the lawyers are, are, are accountable to the work right. that they're doing, I am fully supportive of new business models and, and institutional structures. Same with you, Brett. One hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> How did I know that one? <laughs> Lawyer, lawyers, lawyers are absolutely critical pieces of legal service delivery for you know incredibly obvious reasons. But to think that they are the only people that should be involved in legal service delivery is, in my view, preposterous. Like design, making things like easy for, you know, your average consumer to understand are skill sets that, you know, are not bestowed on your typical lawyer. Like these are, you know, like we have a full-time product designer for a reason. And like his entire job is to make things understandable, easy, and like, you know, attractive to, you know, bring people into it. Like you see in all sorts of other industries. So the, the idea of having outside capital to be invested into a law firm with, to Alex's point, mm-hmm. oversight, like the lawyers are still responsible and can maintain their ethical, you know, duties, as we've seen in these other jurisdictions, in spite of ownership from, you know, people outside of the legal profession, I see no problem with that. And, awesome. you know, having worked in a large law firm, it is really hard for me to distinguish between a huge law firm and you know now we've got multinational law firms not operating in very similar ways to corporations so much so that they should be the only ones that are allowed to provide legal services because of their you know corporate legal based like structure you know what i mean right um so again it's just like these are for all intents and purposes 
large legal corporations, you can call them partnerships, but when you have 5,000 partners, like you, that's not what a, <laughs> that's part, a company, that's, that's a company. Yeah. Yeah. Like those are shareholders, you know, those are not, those, that's not what a partnership was intended for. Right. And they've really stretched it to the limits. And we've already seen in Australia. And like I said, the UK that bringing down some of those regulatory boundaries has been a really positive factor for society who, you know, again, again, I feel like we often forget as a profession that we have this underlying duty to society. Like that's why we get to self-regulate. Mm-hmm. And when we're only servicing 25% of the population, like it doesn't seem like we're doing a great job at servicing society. Right. Yeah, no, great points. Great points. Like I said, we'll have to, we'll have to revisit this one a bit more fully. Cause I think there's a lot of juicy bits there. So. Well, um, and I got to apologize to Alex cause I wasn't intending to be a guest on this show. Uh, you know, but that's it, okay. it's a very, it's, a, it's an area friend. that I'm very passionate <laughs> about. Yeah. You, yeah. you know what, yeah. Alex, you, uh, you kind of steered that into, I, I, I know a couple areas that, uh, Brett's fairly passionate about. So having two people yeah. that are, uh, both obviously highly informed in these areas and, uh, passionate about it, I, frankly, I think it's great. So from my perspective, I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> this is a great conversation. I really yeah. Okay, so just to wrap it up then, uh, and thanks again sure. for being on, Alex. I uh, really appreciate it. A lot, of, uh, a lot of insightful takes here that uh, I know I've, I've definitely enjoyed hearing. Uh, is there any, anything I missed? Any last parting shots that you want to get in there that uh, maybe we didn't cover? You know what? I think we were pretty comprehensive here. But what I can say, well, you know, (laughs) but I I definitely say there is a lot more in legal tech and that a lot of that is to come. And, um, you know, I'm I'm excited about the future. People are scared. Oh, there's not going to be any lawyers. It's all going to be AI. No, I don't think that what I think is the role of a lawyer is going to change. And I am very excited to see how that is going to change. And if I could be a part of it, that would make me happy. Brett? I love that that is how Alex signed <laughs> off because you uh, might. yeah, good lawyer is about con- connecting lawyers with clients and facilitating that in an environment that makes the provision of legal services way more efficient because we, we all know that it can be. It, it is not about removing the lawyer entirely. And, you know, you have your legal Zooms and your rocket lawyers that automate documents and like that's great and that's super helpful. But it's not enough. And I think, you know, the when people have legal problems, they're very important. And like, you know, they often touch home like in a really personal, intimate and like magnified way because they have such an impact on people's lives. And you don't think about them until you're going through them, whether you're getting divorced or you need, a, you know, like there's these they're really monumental moments for a lot of people or they're related to their business, which is, you know, super important to to individuals as well and and people are looking for more than just the legal advice and and that's where we we don't think lawyers are gonna you know go anywhere to alex's point they're just going to adapt their role and on top of that you know we know there's like still 75 percent of those legal needs out there that are not getting service so as we get more efficient we're going to be able to help a lot more people yeah, no, that's a that's awesome. Well, well, I want to thank both of you for being so positive in this COVID-ridden world right now. We need as much of that as we can possibly get. But uh, no, that was ec- excellent, guys. Uh, I really appreciate it. I learned a lot, to be honest. Uh, even though I'm I'm in this myself, but uh, uh, Alex, really, just want to thank you for for being on today. Uh, we're gonna have to do this again. That was uh, highly insightful, and uh, definitely we we greatly appreciate it. This was fun. 
Awesome, man. Yeah, what? We'll, we'll, we'll definitely have a part two. And uh, Matt, thanks for mediating Riss so nicely. Uh, we we now are <laughs> both talkers. So oh, that was no, 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 that was that was, was easy. Was, that was it easy. It was done me. perfectly. <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah. Glad I could uh, be of service here. Thanks again to Alex for coming on today's show and to everybody else who listened. The show was produced by Brock Pachelik. And if you like what you heard, which how could you not? We are charming if nothing else. We would greatly appreciate if you took a very quick second to give us a five-star rating. And of course, make sure you hit that subscribe button to ensure you're not missing any nuggets of wisdom from our guests on The Good Lawyer Show. Until next time, please stay safe out there.